Joe, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming on and being a willing participant on, you know, telling us your life story when it comes to how real estate changed your life. Because I've known you long enough to know that real estate has absolutely, without a doubt, changed your life. And I think you'd agree with that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So to, to give everybody listening an idea of who Joe is, Joe Finneri is a real estate agent in North Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth. He he specializes in investment property. So he knows, I know definitely single family home rentals, and he owns a portfolio, obviously, or he wouldn't be on this on this call or this video. But I love the way he educates people when they're buying rental property too. So I, I think you do a good job of being that evangelist on getting people into the first rental house and then growing it from there. So I don't want to tell them too much about you, but you know, if you have anything you want to add, let me let, let us know. To begin, I actually got into real estate when I was in high school because I was working for seasonal property managements in Park City, Utah. Uh, the little town I grew up in in Heber City was only stone throw away. So a lot of kids worked there in the winters. And so I really got my teeth cut on property management and investment properties doing maintenance. Mm -hmm. But when I got into college and was still working there in the winters, especially on the weekends, because I just had a great connection with them. And it was it was great work to do, to be honest with you. The pay was really good. But I thought, you know, I never want to own an investment property. That's just too much headache. Mm-hmm. with all of the the maintenance and everything and then just like any good employee I you know went to college worked in corporate America for many many years and f- four degrees later I was getting frustrated with especially after my son was born was getting frustrated with being out of town because uh, I traveled so much being in business development traveling all over the world and I'd miss every major event. When my wife found out she was pregnant, I was I got a call from her internationally. <laughs> I was out of out of the country, his first steps, his first words, and I was tired of it. I was just tired of the the travel. And one of my colleagues who I'd known for years, it said, Have you heard of real estate investing? I work property management, but I don't know if that's the thing for me. But he says, Yeah, I think you're ready to to make a change. So he said to go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Best and, book ever. Yeah, it is. Um, by Robert Kiyosaki. You know, there's a lot of books out there today, especially today. David Green's got a great one. There's a lot of a lot of avenues where, especially when I'm working with first-time investors, it doesn't matter what book you read, but if it if it strikes a chord with you, mm-hmm. then you need to make a change. And that did. And it was funny. I didn't understand it really at the time, but he said, I used to give people the book, uh, this colleague, he said, but they need to have a vested interest. Mm-hmm. So you need to go out and spend the money on the book. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm I'm in senior management. I think I can afford a, a $10 paperback, even if it was that. But he, but the best advice he gave me, he said, read it with your wife. Um, it'll change your lives. And so we did. You know, we went, I went home, talked to talked to my bride about it. And she's a much faster reader than me. But she's a smart lady too. Very smart yeah. than me. She's a CFO of our company because mm-hmm. one thing I learned in and all those MBA classes was the segregation of the roles and responsibilities. And I'm a sales guy. I'm a front guy. You know, I like I like interacting with people, but the accounting, that's all hers. So she's a CFO because we got to segregate the roles, you know. So <laughs> but she loves spreadsheets. So she does well with that. But we both read it, but she's a much faster reader, being a smart woman. And it was great. She'd have it highlighted. So we had two different bookmarks of this paperback, and she would highlight things and add notes in the in the columns, right? Hey, talk to me about this. And it, that's where real estate investing really changed our lives for the better, was the fact that we were both talking about it yeah. and having those 
real financial discussions. Yeah, being on the same page makes a big difference. It does. And, you know, what's the number one cause of divorce? It's financial mm-hmm. um, issues or discrepancies with accounting and how how to approach the bills, right. the finances and the family. And it's amazing that this year I've helped two divorced couples, which is great because you at least get two cells out of the transaction, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah, that's days. great. Yeah. But, but the drama that goes with that in both cases and in every case that I've dealt with divorced couples, they've always had separate accounts. What's yours is yours and mine is mine. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just jumping down a rabbit hole, but but real estate investing taught our family, taught my wife and I that we're in this together. We really yeah. are. Team sports. So, you know, paying off debts and whatnot. So we decided, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna make that change, right? We're gonna, we're gonna follow Robert Kiyosaki's advice. We're gonna go for long-term rentals. So within a a few months, we set up our company. And within a few months after that, we bought our first rental and we haven't looked back. And it is it has definitely made our relationship so much stronger that, you know, I, I actually had an opportunity to meet Robert Kiyosaki. We both did. We went, we went he was here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth and we went to a function and I gave him a big old bear hug and said, Robert, you have changed my life and made my, my marriage much more stronger. And I'm mm-hmm. getting a little emotional because it really has, because, you know, fast forward a decade, I still can't get enough rentals. They're like laced potato chips. Once you once you get one, you can't look back. It's addictive. It is addictive. And you know, the the number one question I get when when first time when investors are interviewing me, because you know, they read their they read all of the gurus' books, you know, set up your core four, mm-hmm. you know, and this is how you interview a realtor. So I can tell that they're following the script of the questions. <laughs> we, <laughs> but, we, had, we have an intern in, that's in the office this summer and he's like, hey. Uh, this person's asking me about, we'll just say this specific situation in, in property management. I'm like, yeah, they read a specific blog. That's the one blog out there that talks about this one little topic. But you, you can tell where people's education comes from when it comes just by the questions they ask yeah. sometimes. Well, and it's funny, I'll even add questions, you know, because mm-hmm. if they're honest with me and say they're, they're, they're interviewing other agents, man, I say that's fine. I always do. I'm never a, a hard pressure kind of sales approach. It's never been my MO because uh, my actions, my experience and when how I answer their questions in a timely manner, you know, that's I'm going to win over clients more often than not. Well, and you're you're so. the kind of guy that you, you're coming from a base of knowledge, so it's kind of like you know, mm-hmm. let the guy that knows direct the, the 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 direction. And you know, I've also been told, and I believe it, it's a lot easier to sell somebody that wants to buy. So if they don't, yeah, want the what's in their best interest, there's like why even bother? Like they're. Tell them what they need, but you know you got to tell them what they want. Yeah, and and I always I always ask them when they're interviewing other agents, right? That make sure that they're fellow investors, because to your point, I've got a clear edge over my competition and other realtors because I have done flips, I do own rentals, I've dealt with tenants and issues, and the best thing about being a uh, a real estate investor and what I learned from working in Park City in those winters all those many years ago was that I don't want to self-manage ever. Right. You, <laughs> because, you, you, you delegate out people that are competent in certain areas, give them that reign while you oh, focus on what you're really good at. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The the great book that you know every, every business student reads, whether it's undergrad or uh, postgraduate level is good to great companies mm-hmm. and how that, you know, University of Denver, some graduate program was trying to identify the best employees and what made a good employee. And what they found out was there was a real differentiator between really good companies and bad companies. And one of those was surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And 
you exemplify that because your that. team at Macaw, they're amazing. Top to bottom, I really love working with them. And I am glad that Macaw, I can outsource as a shameless plug, all my property management to them. Because just like those great companies that that book talked about, that the great companies outsource their non-core competencies, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's amazing when I see the the different websites like Bigger Pockets, an amazing website. I'm on there a lot contributing. Mm-hmm. And there's all it's a good, it's a good blog for people to get on and learn about real estate investing for free. And it's amazing that probably well over half of the heartburn and frustration with being a real estate investor are the people that are self-managing. Mm-hmm. And it just drives me nuts. And I'm like, well, I told you. Well, so. you always hear the stories about these burned out landlords and the burned out ones, they're not the ones that had property management. Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones that try to do it all themselves. Yeah. So I definitely advocate the first-time investors, look, especially if they're out-of-state investors, because they're, to be honest, a lot of my clients are out-of-state investors. Oh, I would just dare say at least a quarter of mine are out-of-state, maybe even half. Yeah. It's a lot. I, w- I would say well over half, probably 60% of my clients are out-of-state investors. Mm-hmm. And most of them are California, a few from Nevada, sure. a few from New York, but I overwhelming, it doesn't really matter where they're from. <laughs> but you just got to approach it the same of, of being the boots on the ground. and. I've always advocated, you know, they're trying to set up their core four, right? Remember we talked about the script. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got the script. I've got to add, I've got to add this person, this person, this person. Well, no, don't reinvent the wheel. Work with a fellow investor like me that, you know, I've got a proven property management that I use personally. I've got a great lender that's a fellow investor that I've used personally and many of my clients. A great uh, commercial insurance carrier that provides great landlord policies. Again, I've used personally and many of my clients have. I have too. I've used them. So yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, and, it, and it's amazing. People are like, well, why are you willing to share that? I think people go? overcomplicate buying rental they properties. Do. It's yeah. amazing. I, I, yeah. the, even the other day, I was like, get, don't don't overthink this. It's the most simple. The, he was talking about, this is a client of mine. It's like, well, I got to get with my attorney and get this set up. And I got to talk to my accountant about this. I'm like, that, that's fine. But don't let the attorney overcomplicate this. This is like one of the most simplistic, basic things to do. Just let's go buy some stuff yeah. and make it work. There, and getting back to Robert Kiyosaki, his attorney, what is it, Garrett Sutton? Mm-hmm. I've got his book, I've read it. And he scared so many investors into setting up series LLCs, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's insanely crazy. I always advocate going to local real estate investment club groups, wherever you are. Even if even if you're gonna invest here in Texas, attend one in California, you know, if you're living there, because you're gonna learn stuff. Uh, and one of the things I learned was I was talking to a very seasoned investor and I just read his book and I was like, Okay, do I need to set up an LLC or an S Corp or just do, you know, sole proprietor, not set up anything? And this one season investor, he had 100 rentals and he said, I've got one company. <laughs> he says, I've got them all under it. And he says, because I only have to file one tax return for that corporation. And he said, I just up my, my liability coverages, the cover, right? Because, and that's the, the advice now I give to new clients is, okay, if you're going to set up a company, you don't have to do it right away. Just get into the game because it's not about it's not about timing the market. You know, Is it a good time or a bad time? There's really not a bad time, especially with long-term investing, the buying right now, because it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Right. And that's taken me a lot of years to understand that, that, that the real moneymaker for long-term rentals, even though you may not be cash flowing immediately right out of the gate the first couple of years, especially if you take into account your closing costs, your you know, a pure math number. So all the engineers that I deal with, I have to talk them off the ledge because I said, 
there's a reason you want to invest in real estate because you want to get away from the rat race and get away from the grind of working 80 plus hours a week because I've been there and you need a tax deduction until you can be financially free. So I, I think a lot of those things you just mentioned are completely overlooked by everybody that's poo-pooing on real estate investing. You know, I know you're a big fan of cost segregation as in, uh, and oh, you know, yeah. when somebody's making a good paycheck at their W-2 and they're going to be writing a big check to Uncle Sam, why not just write that check for a down payment, cost segregate your house to up front, you know, front load those depreciations, and then you save that tax burden. And then you basically, oh, yeah. the Uncle Sam's giving you a house, like your down payment would have gone to him, but instead it went to you buying investment property. Yeah. And 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 back to, to taxation. And that's what I tell clients that there's unwritten intrinsic values with owning investment properties that especially long terms is that you, the tax deductions you get at the end of the year. And, you know, I always say, you know, talk to a, a good CPA that does know how to do cost allocation strategy. Because that's how you differentiate a good a good real estate investor friendly accountant from one who doesn't have a clue. Because if they know how to do a cost segregation study, and for, for those of you out there in Zoom land, cost get segregation study, you can depreciate a rental property 27 and a half years per IRS guidelines. But a cost segregation study, all they do is they they compress it down to five years. So that yeah, if you're looking to be paying a big tax bill and you're writing a check to Uncle Sam come April 15, you know. You should before the end of the year talk to your CPA and have, and you can only do it one time per per rental property. So I I don't advocate it. I always advocate buying more properties. <laughs> yeah. Is that way you can write off the cost that year? Yeah, and to explain why that makes sense is like let's say you have carpet in the house or you have faucets and you've got paint and you've got roof shingles. Like they don't last twenty seven and a half years. They last seven or. 15 or what. And so basically you're taking that, what was going to be 27 and a half years spread. Now you're compressing it down to get as much depreciation as you possibly can up front. And yeah. That's, that's and, been a big savior for me. And and it's amazing. Once you become an investor, that opportunities will fall in your lap uh, as far as people coming to you directly and saying, Hey, well, I hear you're an investor. Well, do you pay cash? Yes. Yeah. I pay cash. Right. But, you know, back in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I've got a hard money lender. <laughs> They'll use cash. We can close this deal and make it happen. And and just because it may not be the perfect property, uh, I've got a property in Watauga, just a small little community just south here of Keller. And uh, that this was one of those cases where I had the owner come to me directly. We negotiated. OK, here's a contract. Boom. Done. And I've kept up my portfolio now for well over seven years, but it was only, it had a one and a half back. Mm -hmm. So we finally have gotten to the point now where, okay, we've got to do that remodeling to your point that, yeah, we had it updated when we moved, when we bought it seven years ago, but it needs, it needs new flooring, new kitchen, but we're going to go ahead and convert that half bath to a full bathroom. And that's going to, your rent's going to go up as a, as oh, yeah. a result. It's amazing. Hundreds of dollars a month. So mm -hmm. Yeah, the front end expense of that is a little bit high, but I've had a very good year in terms of real estate as well and commissions, helping mm -hmm. clients buy and sell. So especially invest fellow investors. So I'm looking to park money and that's a good investment, right? Mm -hmm. Is putting money into an investment property. And people talk about, you know, especially Robert Kiyosaki, he's always talking about good debt, bad debt, right? What's an asset? What's a liability? My primary residence that I'm in right now is a liability, even though yes, I can put money into it. It will help equity build when I sell it on the back end, but only when I sell it. Mm -hmm. Whereas an investment property, if I put money into it, I've got a tenant in place, they're making money right now. And I think that's 
that's the biggest battle I have with with explaining to fellow first time investors is to pull the trigger now. Yeah. Not wait, right? If you've got the capital, do it. But what about, you know, 10% cash on cash or or the 1%? Just throw those out the window, people. Just I mean, as long as you're covering your pity and your your principal interest, taxes, insurance, and your management fee, because you're gonna outsource, you know, that non-core competency mm-hmm. and have a property management, you know, manage that for you. As long as you're expected rents are at least breaking even, then pull the trigger. Because in a few years, this is the thing I really emphasize to the first time investors. In a few years, you're going to do a cash out refi to where you're going to have enough equity in that property that you're going to be able to pay the 20% down when you do the refi. And hopefully you're doing it to drop your interest rate. So your your pity just magically dropped a few hundred a month. Mm-hmm. So you're just cash flowing that much more. Plus any cash you take out of that, it's non-taxable. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Pay off those student loans. Done. Been there, done that. (laughs) Paid off the credit card bills. Done. Been there, done that. Paid off uh, the car loans. Done. Been there, done that. So talking about real estate investing really changing my life and my my wife and my families is we don't have car payments. I pay cash because cash is king on so many levels. I use other people's money for my investment properties, whether it's a hard money lender and doing a a rehab, whether it's a flip or the Burr strategy uh, on the rentals, or and I'm using a, my preferred lender when I finish the rehab to finance out of the hard money loan. Right? It's all about other people's money, mm-hmm. and you so get the right network. I'm okay to leverage that because it's a safe, secure investment. You know, I don't have a crystal ball. A lot of people think agents do as far as what is the expected future value of real estate, but I can look at the historical and know for at least the DFW market where I invest that the values are going to keep going up. It may not be crazy high like it was back in COVID a couple of years ago, but it's still going to be at least 5% per annum. And so fine. Thing, if so, worst case, 3%. So run yeah, with it, right? use the, the term that I, I, I talked about a lot is you don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what it's going to be, but the fun thing is, is you don't have a crystal ball of everything, but some of it you do. Like you know exactly how much you're going to write off in your taxes, and you know exactly what the principal paydown is over the oh, yeah. amortization schedule. So some of this stuff you've got, you fixed the game in your favor, and and people just don't know about. That. And how many times does rent go down? Like I don't think I've <laughs> never. I've been doing this for Not 20 here. years. I've never had rent go down. No. There might be some times where it's like, hey, let's get this thing moved real quick. But um, for the most part, not had that problem. Yeah, and again, networking yourself with fellow investors and and meeting with them on a regular basis, like we. You know, Kyle and yeah, I, yeah. We, we meet with other investors. And one of the best tips that I got from another investor was instead of if a property isn't leasing quickly, and you got to look at the rent comps and say, okay, for, for this neighborhood, I always tell them, look, the average days on market, at least for, for the DFW area, is 17 days for rent. So you get these people from out of state that are using like these calculators, rent calculators. And they said, well, my default is two months holding cost. You, no, not here. You know, even the worst case scenario is maybe thirty days, but that's like on a town out on the fringes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, forty minutes from here. Maybe it's twenty five days. But again, you know, that's what I love about investing here is that that you have low days on market, and if it doesn't move within that time frame, then the advice that I got from that other investor was. We'll just offer 250 off the first month's rent. Don't discount the rate because you're you're discounting over you know 12 months. Yeah. And Whereas then if you, you raise do it 250 off the first month, later, yeah. Yeah, I mean within within days they had they had a good tenant that passed the background checks and 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 their debt to income ratio was okay. Boom, done. So 
again, it's 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 not like you have to be on an island either. Is surround yourself with people that are better than you, like Kyle does, right? And hope you can be as successful as he is someday. We're all working on it. We're all working on getting (laughs) getting farther down the road. And that's the fun thing is like, you can see the benefits of the investments Uh, and and you don't, you know, stock market, you you know, you can watch it, but it's not as fun. You can't. And here's the thing with, with a house, like it could burn down, just like your stock market could go to zero. But if it burns down, you have an insurance check that's going to be written to you to get a new house or, and nobody's going to air up the tires of your house and move them away and steal it. Like it's just not going to happen. So it's such a safer investment. So, but oh, and, and again, having mm-hmm. the right insurance guy on your team, mm-hmm. I have lost the rents coverage. So, if there is a fire, tornado, whatever, and the tenants, you know, they're not going to be expected to pay rents when they move out while the house is being repaired. Sure. I've got lost the rents coverage. So, I still get those rents while it's being repaired. So, again, it's just about mitigating your risk. And the stock market doesn't offer anything in that regard. So, yeah. it's highly volatile. I always love talking to stockbrokers. What, you know, look at the S&P 500. What's what's the average rate of return over the last 50 years on the S&P 500? It's less than 10%, right? Yeah. And the, and the way they Probably quote the numbers, is. they're not really accurate. I don't know. I, I've got some books to give you. I'm not going to. Okay. It's in the single digits. Yeah. It's not as, it's not as especially when it comes to mutual funds, it's not as yeah, yeah. attractive as they make it out to be. And, and the stockbrokers, you know, I used to be one, so I, I'm not going to poo-poo on too much, but <laughs> I mean- they're salespeople. They're, they're not financial oh, yeah. investors. Like they, they don't well, understand I the whole love whole game. one of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes is why should I take advice from a guy that rides a subway into work every day? Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so again, stock market rate of return, it's low, a lot of risk. You've got to pay taxes on your dividends. And when you sell real estate investing uh, over the last 50 years, rental properties, a, a very conservative rate of returns, 15%. And yet there are so many tax codes that benefit being an investor mm-hmm. that all the write-offs. Because people ask, can you write off your expenses? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can you write off property management fees? Yes. Can you write off maintenance? Yes. It's a cost against the business. Yeah. Most of my living expenses, I'm going to say most, a lot of my living expenses are paid with pre-tax dollars, not after-tax dollars, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if I had right. a W-2 paycheck and I was going to go buy my truck, that truck was going to be a whole lot more expensive if I had a W-2 paycheck, but yeah. I buy the truck yeah. and I write the whole thing off. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little different story, but you hit on something that I thought, thought was, means a lot to me. And, and you're talking about Warren Buffett, like taking advice from somebody that takes the, the, the subway to work. Like I tell people, ask for advice and directions from people that are where you want to be. And that's right. what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I want people to understand that this is real world investing. This is real world people. This isn't like you didn't come from money. I didn't come from money. Dude, like we no. made this. So you got to listen to people's advice from places that have, are where you want to be. So guys like you are people we need to talk to. And I think there's a lot of fake stuff on YouTube and there's a lot of fake stuff on fake book and all these these places out there that they they pump things and like these get rich quick and all that. Let's listen yeah. to people that are actually there. And so what I'm trying to do with this podcast is like give people real world examples of people that they can emulate or go to for help. I think in a couple of more episodes, I want to get a bunch of these where people are like you and me, we're talking about how we did it. And I want you to ask or mention maybe how maybe some mistakes you made too. But mm-hmm. after this, after a few, I want to start talking to guys that we know that are like really good at insurance, really good at mortgages, really good at hard money loans. And, and let, let's let's educate some people out here with real world map on how to get to where, you know, I'm going to say where you're at. Back to my background, grew up in a single parent household, 
And at 11 years old, I realized that my mom said, if you want the, the nice clothes that the other kids have or the new bike, you've got to go work for it. So she instilled a work ethic in me, but you know, I joined the army so I could pay for bachelor's degree, uh, associates and a bachelor's because I always wanted to go to college. That was always a driving force for me from, from when I was little. And the where I'm at now that I would never would have dreamed of being there. Uh, cause you know, i I felt like I was gonna have a career in the military. You don't join the military to get rich. We'll tell you, <laughs> you just don't, you know, and there's there's three different types of people that join the military and I was probably in the uh, pay for college, you know, group of people, mm-hmm. and yeah, it helped, but it didn't get me there. So there's there's a lot of lessons learned along the way. I wouldn't have got a master's degree if I had a new real estate now. You know what I knew then, mm-hmm. what I know now about real estate investing. It's good to have a business degree so you can speak the language of business, yeah. and that make made a lot of mistakes over the years. That has taught me a valuable lesson. So. I definitely advocate getting a college education, especially for my son. I want him to be able to go to college and not have to work, right? So that he can speak the language of business, but enjoy college at the same time. Yeah, I was working full time. I still was in the the reserves with the Army National Guard, and I didn't really get to enjoy college as other kids get to. So there's that part of it that I want for my son, but it's also, it's not about get rich quick, especially with long-term investing. You're looking for the long-term goal, legacy building wealth, right? That your, your children can inherit someday, right? And that's what I want for my son. So he doesn't have to go out and work, you know, as, as a kid, but unless he wants to, so they can learn the lessons and the value of work and work ethic. Because yeah, I think corporate America and the public education system today, and even the post-grad, you know, post-high school and the college level is teaching people to be good employees. And I think that's why we investors are so passionate about wanting to share about, you know, people go like, what's your game? What do you really get out of this by helping other people become investors? And I said, well, one, financial freedom should be for everybody. But it isn't for everybody mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people that love they love that nine to five get a get a steady paycheck the W that's fine we we need those people mm-hmm. right but there are a lot of people out there if they if they had the opportunity to understand it like we did because we all get into it in different levels and different ways it doesn't matter how do you arrive at it but we want to help other people exceed because I don't feel any investors competition to me because I come from an abundance mindset which. There's going to be plenty of properties out for, for about there for me to add to my portfolio. And, and that's a question I get from, from a lot of first-time mm-hmm. investors or working with me. Well, if you're a fellow investor, what if what are you going to do to take that deal away from me? Or why didn't you buy this one? Well, you know, I can only buy so much. And yeah, there's and like what, what, what's so a good much. deal for me may not be a good deal for this person and then vice right. versa. Because right. you know me, I like. I like them ugly. I like, I like, oh, yeah. I like it bad. Yeah. I want to see through the house before I open the door. Yeah. You, you want it smelling so bad. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's funny when, when I go in there, when, when I actually have a client going in instead mm-hmm. of me doing a video walkthrough for them, which I do that for my clients, especially my out of state ones, because mm-hmm. they, they got to be able to see it. So, you know, I'm not the selfie stick kind of guy. I just grab the cell phone and I just do the regular, you know, walkthrough, but I'm showing them stuff what to look for because you know i've learned over the years right like you know what lessons learned is yeah that that water here looks old yeah it's going to probably crap out within the next year that hvac looks old that's going to crap out that roof uh, it's okay for a few years but you know there will be a hailstorm eventually so don't worry about replacing it if it's okay right now so there's that kind of things you go you help educate them on but the i tell them look 
that I want to help you succeed to these first-time investors, I'm not going to take away from you because I want you to buy and buy again and again and refer your friends and family. And I want to touch on something you mentioned earlier about surrounding yourself with people of like-mindedness. I have learned, and especially with my clients too, that when they first start talking about real estate investing, everybody else, friends and family, they all mean well, but they get bad advice because they don't understand investing. They're not coming from the place you want to be. No, no. They're that W-2 safe employee type person. And that's the poor dad, the Robert Kiyosaki talks about. And it's like, if you were to put a bunch of crabs in a Homer bucket, you don't have to put a lid on it because when, when a crab tries to get up that lip or somehow it gets to the top and they're getting ready to pull themselves out, another crab is going to pull them down. And I relate that to real estate investing, that all the other crabs are friends and family. And when you're finally learning to try and get that financial freedom and get out of the rat race or out of the bucket, they're going to pull you down. They're well-intended, they love you, but they just don't understand and they're giving you bad advice. But the the wonderful thing is, is there's the big crabs like you that are outside the bucket trying to help people out. Like, and, and I, I see it all the time. And and that's why I love like when we get together and smoke cigars, I hate it when I miss them because I don't need a cigar. I don't need a, a whiskey, but I just, I need that to be around people like you oh, yeah. to, to kind of keep, keep, keep the, the energy going and the blood pumping and bubbling for, for real estate. So. Oh yeah. 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 And I'll probably add one more property, one more rental this year, but it'll take time because like you, I, I have a different business model from my clients. Most of them want move in ready. Mm-hmm. And for a first investment property, that's probably a good idea, right? Yeah. Because, and stick with rentals, because if you make a mistake on a rehab, not a big deal. You can fix it over time or just let a tenant live with yeah. it. And that's a lesson I learned on flips, right? Is don't try to jump in the flip game too quickly because if you make a mistake on the rehab or overestimated the types of finishes that I see a lot of first timers or beginners make, mm-hmm. that that'll cost you hundreds, of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars potentially. So, Again, advice I always give to clients is there's more than one way to make money in real estate investing. Long-term, short-term, medium-term, rentals, flips, owner finance. There's so many different ways. Start with long-term rentals because one thing I've learned from those discussions that we have with our fellow investors is that income from medium or short-term rentals doesn't count when qualifying for future loans right. on other investment properties. That's a business. You're running a business and it's yep. very different. It's, it's, it, it can, there's a lot more variables that you can't control and, exactly. and it's a very up and down market. And you know, it's 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 a business. And so it's a very yeah. different model. You know, and I'm I'm speaking from experience. I've got three short-term rentals that I own and I love them. And for the most part, they they cash flow more than a single family rental would, but they're they're more intensive. There's a lot more unknowns. There's months where I make nothing and there's months that I gangbusters, but it's not <laughs> it's not for it's not for lighthearted no, people because I, I, I put a you've lot got of a big in. enough portfolio of long-term yeah. rentals and done enough flips you have the experience. So yeah. it's not going to kill you that three properties, you're not counting the income. Right. You're just counting the money that's in the account that goes in yeah. at the end. Right? right. But And that's what I tell people is that start with long-term rentals, do five. Do five, regardless of what exit strategy you do, do five transactions before you even think about moving into another. But for me, flips are okay. But in this market, it's as volatile as it is. I'm, I'm much safer with rentals. Because again, we tight. talked there's, about There's earlier. not a lot of equity in the deals right now. It's not like- No, you can, there's not. Uh, no. And anybody that brings you a deal, like you've got to source your own deals. Like you, you can't, you. you can't help. You can't expect to get your, your flip pot house off of a wholesaler because a wholesaler's I mean, they're taking everything they can off, off of that bone. Like all the meat's gone by the time they bring it to you and they tell you it's going to be worth 
X and it's like X divided by two, really, when it's all said and done. Yeah. And then there was, oh, this is a cosmetic $20,000 remodel and it ends up being more like 50. So they, yeah. they these, yeah. these jokers, they don't either, it's either dangerous because they don't know what they don't know or they're dangerous because they're dishonest. I don't know which one it is, but and, it's and I would rarely say that, accurate. And that's one of the biggest lessons I learned is I bought from not one, but two major wholesalers that are national mm-hmm. and both cases, they way underestimated the repairs. Mm-hmm. Now, I still own those rentals today. Yeah, I spent overspent, but again, like I talked about earlier, so what? You spend a little bit more, but as long as it's cash flowing, and I still hold yeah. the asset after a decade. Real estate is a very forgiving business model. And and I, I think our buddy Andrew uh, is a, a great example of like his first investment went down, what, 75% in the first year, but he never lost a penny on it because real estate, you know, it makes up for it over the long run. So, yeah. and you know, you can, you can make the mistakes on the house. You can over improve it. You can lose some money here and there, but you know, you take that out over 10 years, you yeah. make it back. So yeah. yeah. And you know, other lessons learned. Yeah. You know, some of the rentals that I have single families they had for Micah and now I'm to the point where I'm tired of it, tired of getting it fixed. And even though it was cheap and it was already there, you know, I'm ready to make the change to go to grant because now grant it's so much cheaper and availability of of contractors that actually will install granite. Yeah, it may only last four or five years, but it looks so much better. And you get a better tenant. Yeah, I mean, it pops more. If it rents, let's just say it took 30 days to rent a house without the granite. And if you were able to put the granite in and you're going to rent yours faster, maybe, maybe let's just say you rent something 30 days faster than somebody else. I mean, that pays for it. Like that, I mean, the the difference it pays for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, back when I first got into investing, tile was the thing, you know, tile the entire, Mm -hmm. all the living spaces, except for input carpet in the bed. Yeah, I did that. Now with the advances with the vinyl plank, you know, it you can install it in a half a day, like carpet. And it's really not that much more than carpet. And from a demo standpoint, again, half a day to get it out, maybe a day. Mm -hmm. Whereas tile, it could take you a whole week. And that and that advanced really quick because it went from tile and then then the vinyl planks were coming in. And what I could get was the 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 glue down. And this is before yeah. the clicks, because apparently there's a patent issue with the click lock. So only oh. like one company had the okay. patent that was, I guess, the best one. And so I was buying uh glue down vinyl planks on on the stuff that I could, you know, a good slab. And that stuff is it's amazing, it's still there. But then when Recently, I would say in the last few years, the click clock has gotten really affordable and really out there. And man, it, I'm not going back. That click clock is really good stuff. Is it good last, stuff? It's so durable, that click clock. Okay. Yeah. And that, and that's what I'm looking for is, you know, something that's durable, you know, tiles durable, but if you got foundation issues or a bad install, which has happened to me, bad contractors mm-hmm. over the years that I used, you know, don't go with the cheapest, mm-hmm. that you didn't use enough thin set. So you drop. You drop a plate or something on it and boom, it cracks, right? And it's not anything that the tenants did to abuse the property. It's not like it's just lessons yeah. learned. And right? I do think that that is a, and you hit on a point is we got some landlords that want to push every little thing expense wise onto a tenant because they think it's completely pays for itself. And and that is a good point. It's not always the tenant's fault. Like we, we've, we've got to remember that. Yeah. But, but take care of your property. But it, but at the same token, mm-hmm. I had a tenant that didn't file a single work order in five years. When they moved out, it was a disaster. Right. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I've that, seen I, it all. I, I see that mistake <laughs> too, where you know, we were looking at, at a house for to bring on and it, it was a it was a low rent property and the ten, the owner that owns it now that was looking to sell it to me, he's like, Well, tenant's responsible for hundred percent of the maintenance that and the rent's low because of that. I'm like, what do you think they're gonna be doing on the maintenance? 
Like there, you, you can't. And and I think there are some obligations and liabilities that a, a landlord's responsible for, no matter what. Now we'll we'll ignore that. But you know that tenant didn't properly properly service yeah. HVAC or no. care about anything, and you know, yeah. and, it, and it showed. There's cabinets that were busted. There's a lot of damage that that shouldn't have happened because he didn't care. He's like, well, I'm renting it low. I'm like, well, that that just gets you lower faster. Having a professional property management to manage that for you as well. There is a certain type of tenant that likes to take advantage of the independent self-managing owners, and I see yeah. it all the time. Oh, it's all over Facebook. I'm looking for a yeah. uh, a private rental, a privately owned rental property. And you know what that says? Like, okay, what's on that person's background? Because, you know, so I don't even know if you know, we our software that I have access to that we use, and I didn't realize this until recently, that the firm that we use, we're, we were the first single family home property manager in the country that uses this one company. And they actually go into the bank accounts of the tenant. Now, I'm not saying we take their pay stubs. No, like using Plaid. I don't know if you're familiar with Plaid. Yeah, I mean, yeah, use it. Yeah, your team's. It'll go into and it'll show you this person gets paid from this place on the 15th of every month. And we know exactly how much hit their actual bank account. We're not saying what they their bank statements show because those be fake. We're it's actually in their bank account because it logs into their Wells Fargo, their Bank of America, or their Chase or whatever. It'll also log in and get access to their ADP payroll or their paychecks or Gusto. Who and so we actually see, oh, they're putting so much away in their 401k. Oh, this is what they're paying on their deductions for whatever. So I mean. Our stuff is legit. You can't fake it. And that's one of the few things that most of my competitors don't do. But a a private landlord can't do that because that pay pay a lot of money per month for that and thousands of dollars for that software. And, and, you know, an individual landlord that rents up two or three houses a year, they don't have that kind of money to do that. No, no, no. And again, it's the the expense for the property Mm -hmm. management, just having the peace of mind. And the way we, you know, we want tenants to file work orders. That means they're, they're want, they have a stewardship as well, sure. right? That they want a, a decent living place. Cause I think the vast majority of anybody that becomes an investor doesn't want to be a slumlord, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of slum landlord. Cause that's all you hear about in the news is these landlords that wouldn't put AC units yeah. in their tenants. I mean, AC is not an option here in DFW. Yeah. It isn't. So even though legally, yes, it's not, but I mean, I'm not going to treat my tenants any worse. Well, you, you get the tenants your property deserves. So if you're if you're putting out a poor product, you're going to get a poor tenant. You're going to put a great product, you get a great tenant. Exactly. And and yeah. and I think another thing that's underestimated is people. You know, we talk about bad landlords. Uh, everybody's like, well, I don't want to have to deal with tenants. Well, I'm willing to bet you you were a tenant at some point in your life, and you were not a bad person. You were a bad tenant. So I think they get such a bad rap and stereotypes on tenants. And tenants are not. I mean, you know, we manage. We're we're bumping on a thousand units right now, and wow. A uh, thousand houses. We only have a couple of tenants that I would say are just bad. Like there's, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah, but yeah. I would say way, way majority are like perfect tenants. Like these are good people that go to work. They're trying to think for the future too. They're taking, they want their their kids to live in a good home. They're good people. They're, they're, they're you and me before we bought our first home. Right. And so yeah, yeah. I think people underestimate how good tenants are. And I think that that needs to be put out there more and people would be less afraid of buying a rental property. Yeah. And I think, you know, just focus on the positive because, you know, for every bad tenant, you're going to have double good tenants, Mm -hmm. right? And if tenants move out, that's just the nature of business. You know, you want to increase the rents every year. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing about this market, DFW, is you are going to be able to increase the rents every year. You know, don't get suckered in thinking you need to sign a two or three year lease. You're just leaving money on the table. Absolutely. And tenants do move. That's 
hard it. That's and, awesome. and and maybe congratulations to them buying their home. And I'm 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 be their biggest fan because they're making that step. Yeah, yeah, you hope so. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, I've always had a standing order with Macaw, you know, with your team that if a tenant has got a house under contract, I'll let them break their lease. They just got to provide a copy of the contract. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to do that and refund their their deposit because you know home ownership isn't a bad thing. Yeah, we talk we talk about good debt and bad debt and assets and liabilities, but if you're buying a house versus paying my mortgage as a landlord and paying your own equity and building your own equity. So to hopefully you can do that same thing and do a cash out refi and better your life someday, then go for it. Right. Absolutely. Right. Um, Because then you won't have to deal with that band landlord either that won't do any repairs. Right. right? But I love having the visibility with the software and the tools that Macaw has in place as an owner. I get blind copied every time a tenant files a work order and I just sit back and let your team do their magic. Right. And the way that our property management agreement is that over X number of hundred dollars, they got to get quotes and bring it to me and approve and sign off on it. Yeah. As long as I got visibility to that, I am, I'm ecstatic, but I let the experts do. Well, do the you know, l- l- let the manager manage and, you know, yeah. you go buy more houses. My job is yep. to make the real estate agents look awesome because if we do a really good job on our management side, then your clients that you bring to us, they're going to be happy and they're going to want to buy more houses. So that, that's our goal. Yeah. But, uh, and, so I, and, and I always tell my clients, I don't know any of my tenants' names. You don't want I to. can look on the lease agreements that Macaw provides and I'll tell them to you, but I I don't have to worry about that because Macaw's already done the background checks. They've checked their income levels to make sure they can afford the rent. And that's something that I feel Macaw does way above and beyond other, other PMs because oh. most PMs, they just want to get at least as quickly as possible because they want that's when they get their revenue, right? Well, as soon we as the we, we learned quick, 80% of your problems can be eliminated by just not letting in the wrong person. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we we were really strict on like we just don't we just can't have a bad tenant move in just right. because it's vacant. Like we've so got to get the right people. So my advice to the anybody watching out there in Zoom land, be patient with the process, especially if you've had the house on the market a few weeks and you finally get somebody that applies and let them work the process. Because if if they don't meet those requirements and there's some issues and Macaw says, we're not comfortable leasing to this person because of, of those issues or potential, like you said, you can identify 80% of the problems up yeah. front. You got to trust the process. Yeah. I've got a personal rental of mine in, in uh, Wichita Falls and I've got three apps, separate apps that have come in on my rental house and none of them could provide proof of income in a way that we could just like to, right. to take it as authentic. So I'm like, no, we'll just sit on it. We'll sit on it because I'll get another one. And and that's the great thing about this market is is so many people are relocating here from other Mm -hmm. parts of the country that you're gonna get you're gonna get a quality tenant that's gonna apply. You know, and whether they're moving in out of state or local, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. As long as they meet those requirements, right? We're 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 good, right? Pay your rent, pay it on time, I'm ecstatic, right? So yeah. So Joe, I know we could talk forever because we do about real estate and, and, and all the pros and, you know, and the cons too of, of owning it, but you know, we got to have it for so long as far as the podcast go. So right, I right. want to say thanks for coming on. And I love that you're able to explain the impact that owning real estate does for you and your family. And I, I think I, that's what I, the takeaway I want everybody to understand is like owning real estate can just, it can change your whole outlook on life. And, and I think you've done a really good job of doing that. And you're a great resource too. So I encourage, and you know, when we, this goes out live onto, you know, fake book or podcast land or wherever we're putting it, 
we'll, we'll make sure that your contact information is on there because I think it would be great for people to reach out to you as an agent. Um, I think you're awesome. definitely one of the. I mean, you, I mean, you, you know more than ninety nine point nine nine percent of the agents out there when it comes to rental property. Lessons that's the thing learned. is like that's and I do that's if I'm going to give people warning on on buying an investment property is and we see this happen all the time is people that want to go buy their first rental they use a real estate agent which is great but they use a real estate agent that doesn't understand investment properties and and they haven't run rent comps and they maybe they bought well, some that's that already, the first thing well, i tell them see if they of, can run rent comps yeah one, one of your neighbors brought us a, a couple they were self-managing they brought a couple of rental houses to us recently that they bought already rented and it was bad the the agent yeah, didn't yeah. like they just wanted to sell them a block of seven houses but they didn't really explain, oh, well, these tenants, this is their track record. This is their background. This is this is the condition of the property. They didn't do any of the due diligence that I know you would. Yeah. yeah and I was yeah. shocked. And I just felt because. yeah, I just felt bad that they got into the situation they did. Fortunately, that you know, we got it all, we turned it around real quick for them. But yeah. man, they needed a better agent. Put you to work, huh? Yeah. But <laughs> you'll you'll run into it. You'll you I'll I'll introduce you when when okay. in the same room sometime. But no, I really want to appreciate uh say thank you. Uh, for spreading your knowledge and, and you. everything and the whole real estate love out there. But uh, yeah, it's a bigger, a big abundance mentality that we have. So we just want to share that with everybody. But all right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, with that, I'll, I'll end it.